If you want to do something that others believe is impossible, you're going to need these three things. Good morning, competitor Jake here, your chief encouragement officer, and welcome to the Compete Everyday podcast, kicking off this brand new week with episode 616 on chasing and perhaps running down the impossible. In fact, today is the first of three episodes. We're going to air today, Wednesday, and Friday, this three-part series inspired by a book I recently read on Roger Bannister and the quest to break the four-minute mile. The book is called The Perfect Mile by Neil Bascom, and it details the history of the mile race. This idea that the four-minute mile was a mark that humans could not hit. Some even believe that your body would physically break down and you would die if you ran at a pace that fast. And it detailed the stories of an Australian named John Landry, a Kansas boy college athlete named Wes Santee, and Britain's Roger Bannister, a medical student who was balancing the pursuit of immortality while also studying to become a doctor, working shifts in the hospital, and trying to fit in the rest of his life around it. And I took away a handful of lessons from the book, just enjoying not only the story behind this pursuit, but what it told me about us. And what I want to do this week is share the three takeaways and why they're incredibly important for you as a leader to keep in mind when you're chasing bigger goals, when you're doing those things that other people believe are impossible. And so the first thing I want to set the stage with this story is Roger Bannister was inspired to chase the four-minute mile mark after losing the Olympics in Helensky. He was disappointed with his performance that day and, and he decided that instead of training for another Olympics, his goal was to be the four-minute mile breaker. He wanted to be the first person to run that sub-four-minute mile. He came home from the Olympics not only disappointed in himself, but papers, sports writers, fans talked about what a choke artist he was. Essentially, he just couldn't perform in the big lights. He let everyone down. And so Bannister, taking it pride upon himself, was going to prove to himself and everyone else that he was capable of more. But what happened is Bannister would balance his training among shifts at the hospital studying for medical exams. And so where other athletes, or you think about athletes today, spend two, three, four, five hours training every day, Bannister would have 30 to 45 minute windows where he'd go out and train. And instead of working with a coach like he had in the Olympics, he decided to do it his own way. He would test it. He would push it. He would track everything meticulously himself, but he would do it without a coach. He wanted to do this his way. However, after a certain point, Bannister kept running and kept coming up short of that four-minute mile mark. He finally decided just to be open to having a conversation with a coach. And thanks to a few running buddies that coach Franz Stoffel changed his life. Franz understood a lot of Bannister's work, and so he didn't get in and try to change his technique, try to make him run a different way, but instead pushed him, challenged him, asked him questions, would put him through additional training with his training partners that got Bannister even more a little beyond his comfort zone. He allowed him a new perspective to see things. And this was really masterful because on the day, not only of breaking the race, but months later when he was challenged to a race with John Landry, going into the race, Bannister was incredibly nervous about that moment, how he would handle it, what his strategy was. And the book details when he sat down 
with his coach and they're talking through how he should approach the race, they came to the same conclusion that Bannister would have on his, on his own. If Bannister had sat down and said, this is how I'm going to race Landry, this is how I'm going to do it, it would have eventually taken him to the same point that his coach was able to help him to. But what it did is when he heard it from his coach, it gave him a different level of confidence. Instead of Bannister just believing this was his idea, it was reinforced when his coach shared the exact same strategy, further cementing his confidence going into the race. See, sometimes coaches are going to give us a different perspective. They're going to challenge us to see things a different way, just as Stoffel had challenged Bannister to change some different things in his training. But a lot of times what we need from our coaches is the accountability and the encouragement to continue down the path we're on. Leadership, the pursuit of big goals, doing things that most of society isn't doing is a very lonely road. It's frustrating sometimes to look around and see a lot of people who settle for just good enough when you and your heart are pursuing greatness. You're trying to maximize your potential, maximize your opportunities, and it can be frustrating And a lot of people that start out with the idea and the pursuit of greatness see everyone around them settle and they start to settle too because they're tired of being lonely. But greatness may be lonely in moments, but there's other people out there just like you pursuing it and you've got to find them. One of the best ways to find them is to find a coach who's not only going to pull things out of you, they're going to push you, they're going to encourage you, and they're going to make sure that you feel, even though the work can be lonely at times, that you're not alone in the pursuit of greatness. In fact, I believe it was this coaching relationship that didn't change a whole lot physically for Bannister, but unlocked a whole lot mentally for Bannister and allowed him to eventually break that four-minute mark and become one of the greatest runners in world history. Every great leader needs a coach. The best athletes in sports have coaches. They have mental performance coaches. They have trainers to help them physically. They have head coaches calling plays. Great people in business have coaches. Because what that coach is designed to do is to push us to challenge certain perceptions, to help us see things a little bit differently that maybe we were stubborn and dug in on, and to push to make sure that we're going in the right path. And then when it's decided we are, to help us continue going on that path. And so if you don't have a coach today, I want to challenge you. If you're committed to doing bigger things, if you want to achieve greater success, if you want to have a bigger impact on your office, on your coworkers and your family, I'm going to challenge you to get a coach because there's only so far we can go alone and that coach helps us get to the next level. So the first thing you've got to have when chasing greatness is to make sure you have a coach there pushing you right alongside, helping you have that plan and giving you the confidence to execute on that plan. Competitor, you can do this. You just don't need to do it alone. Go win your day. I'll see you on Wednesday. I'm cheering for you. Thanks again, competitor, for tuning in to another episode of the Compete Everyday Podcast. This is Jake Thompson, your Chief Encouragement Officer, and I'm glad you're here because that means you're a driven leader who wants to maximize your performance and pursue greatness in every area of your life. To learn more about Compete Every Day, get involved in our leadership cohort, or find resources to help you lead better and succeed more, visit CompeteEveryDay.com. I'll see you next episode.